1: For most believers, the Christian life is one of peaks and valleys. At times, we may be carried in a marvelous and victorious condition with little or no self effort. At other times, we're dry, weary, and easily overcome. In the historical record of the Bible, we can see that God's people corporately go through similar ups and downs. But from their experience, we may be able to learn some wonderful keys to helping us deal with our own periods of spiritual desolation and even that we might be brought into a full restoration. Bob Danker's joining us as we've come to a, a segment of the Psalms, Bob, that really unveils a lot of trouble among God's people, and even God's interests seem to have been uh, damaged. They've come under attack, and yet there are some uh, some real
2: keys here, aren't there, for our own experience? There really are, Chris. Here in this portion of the Psalms, we can see the desolation that took place because Israel was unfaithful to God. Right. God allowed the nations to come in, the Gentile nations, and to devastate the whole situation in the Holy Land, and the Holy City of Jerusalem was destroyed. The Holy Temple was utterly destroyed, and God's holy people were carried away into captivity. And this is a very discouraging situation, and sometimes we may find ourselves <laughs> in a similar situation. We do need to know... How we got there and how we can be revived and restored. God is a God of revival and restoration. He desires to revive his people, but Mm -hmm. there is a way for us to be revived and restored to a proper and even glorious situation in our individual Christian life and in our corporate church life in relation to God and his purpose and plan. And this is the marvelous thing that we will see in this particular broadcast. Uh, Someone continues the line that we began in our previous program.
1: Bill Lawson was with us, Bob, and uh, one of the things that struck me, of course, that was the section of uh, Psalms just before this, 73 up through 76. God allowed his interests, which is really represented by the temple, the sanctuary, the holy city, all these things represent God's interests. and, And the Lord allowed those to come into this state of destruction or desolation but because of, as you said, the unfaithfulness of God's people. So it really reminded me of somewhat the responsibility that we bear as God's people. We may become careless and neglectful of spiritual things and consider, well, maybe I'll suffer, but I'm willing to. But the fact is, God's interests suffer, don't they, when when we let down to that degree.
2: That's right. Israel, actually, with the holy land, the holy temple, the holy city, and the holy people, represented the entirety of God's interests on the earth. They were all that God had to carry out his purpose and his plan at that time. And for Israel, the people, the temple, the city, and so forth, to be desolated means that God lost a lot in relation to his interests. So the restoration and the revival of God's people is related also to God himself and his purpose and his interests on this earth god needs to revive his people Mm -hmm. otherwise he himself will suffer loss well this program really though now we've
1: painted somewhat a black backdrop is quite encouraging quite hopeful because we're going to see uh the solution to uh the desolation of god's house in these uh, pages in these verses from the psalms Uh, i'd like to read a little bit we're in psalm 77 and 78 here in this first segment Psalm 77 begins with the psalmist saying, My voice calls out to God, and He will give ear to me. In the day of my distress, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night, and it did not drop. My soul refused to be comforted. I remember God, and I moan, I complain, and my spirit faints. Selah. Then jump down to verse 11 and 12, because this is a key point in this first segment. I will bring to remembrance the deeds of Jehovah. For I will remember your wonders from of old, and I will meditate on all that you have done and muse on your doings. And now into Psalm 78, verse 12 and 13. He did something wonderful in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And he made the water stand as a heap. Of course, this is recalling the Lord's delivering the children of Israel out of the enslavement of Egypt and coming through the Red Sea as the waters parted. Of course, the marvelous psalm, isn't it, Bob? And a lot of detail in there recalling those uh,
2: experiences that the children of Israel had in the wilderness. Yes, these were the days, of course, the days of old when God's uh, might and power were active on Israel's behalf to deliver them from the Egyptian slavery, and bring them to himself for the fulfillment of his purpose. So the
1: psalmist is recalling these things as uh, he is uh, trying to deal with the current situation he finds himself in, which is in the midst of this desolation. All right, let's join Witness Lee.
3: The Psalms were arranged from the very beginning in a very good sequence according either to history or doctrine. All the seven psalms are on the devastation, destruction of the holy city, holy temple, and holy people. Three holy things. All God destroyed. This psalmist, he was there. He saw the things. On the one hand, he was complaining. And he recognized he shouldn't do that. Then, on the other hand, he is now recalling the uh, Years in which God's right hand was manifested. The psalmist recalled the past. He complained according to present situation, but he was reminded, "You should recall the past," and he did, and mused on God's wondrous doings for his people. According to my knowledge of understanding English, the word muse is somewhat a sweet word, somewhat for enjoyment. In the night, you couldn't sleep so well, even if you are young. Sometimes in the night, you recall the past. And that was not just a recalling. That was musing. My, as an old man, I did have a lot of musings. I mused. Why? Wow. What can revival there in Chifu, 1942? I mused. I was thinking, I was thinking, I was meditating, but in enjoyment. So the psalmist here, musing. My, my forefathers. God's people were there in Egypt under slavery, but God did this, God did that. My goodness, all the things. So you know what? Entire Psalm 78, just a musing of God's doing in the past, Jerusalem got devastated, and the people got nearly either killed or captured. Then what? Do you mean this is the end of Israel? Israel is finished? No, that's not the end. There will be a restoration.
1: Bob, let me throw something out here. In the past, I know we've covered on this program, The dangers, almost, that some Christians will like to just relive past experiences and are satisfied with that because they did have a real experience with God, maybe when they got saved or at some critical point in their life. But that's not what we're talking about here, is it, when we're talking about this kind of musing and reconsideration of what the Lord has done in our past? It really brings us to fresher realization, doesn't
2: it? It does, Chris. And, of course, the psalmist here was musing on the past in the situation of desolation. Right everything was devastated. Uh, It was very discouraging. There was hardly an encouraging sign to be found anywhere. So his attention was directed to the past and what God had done for Israel when they were there in the slavery in Egypt. He had come in with his mighty arm and had brought them out from under Pharaoh's hand and brought them across the Red Sea and buried the Egyptians in the Red Sea and had brought them into the wilderness and had even led them into the good land, which at that time was possessed by at least seven pagan tribes. And God had done so many things Mm. to clear the land, so to speak, to dispossess these nations from before Israel. All these things humanly were impossible to men. But God did this for Israel. And this was a very positive thing that the psalmist could consider the past and muse with enjoyment on God's doings on behalf of Israel, this might also have given him some hope that there was a way for Israel to be restored. The situation was in absolutely a matter of devastation at that time, but there is such a God who has the capacity to restore his people. And so eventually in these psalms, as we read through them, the psalmist cries out to God, Oh, revive your people. Mm. Restore us. He calls on God, the God who had done so many marvelous things in the past, to restore and revive the nation of Israel. Yeah, I like that. He ends that way in this
1: section we just listened to despite the desolation despite the destruction that's kind of musing consideration brings us to the realization that god will have a restoration among his people he didn't deliver the children of israel out of egypt just to see them devastated and destroyed and defeated ultimately and finally in the good land uh surely his purpose is still at work and even so in our experience right we've been called we've been
2: saved we've been uh, called out to his eternal plan and purpose he will have it won't he He will have it, Chris. He will. And he has the capacity to revive us and restore us. Well, Bob, after musing upon these victories that his forefathers had experienced,
1: by the time the psalmist comes to Psalm 80, now we're really seeing the condition of restoration or the the restoring hand of God at work here. And there's a particular key that will be brought out in this point as to why. And this key comes out in some of these verses. Let me read a few here. Verse 7 and verse 8 in Psalm eighty. O God of hosts, restore us and cause your face to shine and we will be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out nations and planted it. Now jumping ahead to verse 14. O God of hosts, turn, we beseech you. Look down from heaven and see, and visit this vine. And 17. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you have strengthened for yourself then we will not turn back from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. O Jehovah of hosts, restore us. Cause your face to shine, and we will be saved. All right, here's Witness Lee.
3: The way of restoration is the exalting of Christ. Amen. Christ must get at the right hand of God. And we all have to know the right hand of God is the highest peak of the entire universe. That is really the first place, the preeminence given to Christ. This is the exaltation. And the exaltation of Christ is the way of restoration. Today on this earth, among God's people, wherever exaltation is given to Christ, there is the restoration. There is the revival. The revival could only be realized by exalting Christ, giving him the first place in everything. Let him have the preeminence. Is he at the right hand of God in your home? Is Christ at the right hand of God in your marriage life, in your private life? If Christ is at the right hand, of God in your marriage life, in your private life, in your church life. Everywhere is a restoration. Hallelujah. Amen. When we go to visit people and praise the gospel, we have to tell people, you must realize Christ, as the Son of God, becoming a man. He died on the cross for your sins, and He resurrected, and He ascended, To the right hand of God in heavens, today you have to call on Him. If a sinner would call on Him right away, that in the eyes of God is to exalt Christ. Then that sinner, right away, God, what? Regenerated, revived, and restored. Then when all these regenerated persons, revived persons, restored persons, coming together, they become the church. That's the restoration.
1: Bob, this is really where we uh, turn in a very positive direction because he makes a point that not just applied to Israel historically, but
2: it really has a very practical application to us in our experience, doesn't it? Yes, uh, Chris, eventually the Psalmists through the inspiration of the Spirit as he is considering the present negative situation of the people of Israel, he speaks something in his prayer to God concerning the man at God's right hand. Uh Who is this man in the whole Bible who is at the right hand of God? Of course, this is Christ. And this opens up a window in the Psalm, this section of the psalm, showing us the way to be restored. It's through Christ, the one whom God has exalted to his right hand. Man rejected Christ, crucified him, but God resurrected him and exalted him and placed him in the highest position in the universe, giving him the preeminence in all things. Now, if we would be Revived and restored in our personal Christian life, Mm. in our married life, in our family life, and in our church life. We must follow God to exalt Christ, to give him the first place in our entire being and in all our living, Mm. in all our relationships. Once we do this, then our situation of desolation becomes a situation of revival and restoration. And this is exactly what will happen in the coming days to the nation of Israel. Today, Israel still rejects Christ, even as they did when he came as a man in the flesh. But there will come a day when the Lord will come back from the heavens, and the remnant of Israel will recognize him as the Christ, as the one who was pierced by them on the cross. And they will believe in him. They will call upon his name. And they will receive him. They will exalt him. They will give him his rightful place among mm-hmm. them. That will be the time for Israel to be restored. We know that will happen at the end of this age. But what about us personally? Mm-hmm. In our daily life, family life, marriage life, and even church life, how can we experience a revival, a genuine revival? We have to give Christ the first place In all things, we have to give him the preeminence by exalting him. Bob, this is applicable both in our personal,
1: individual walk with the Lord, also in our church life, isn't it? And I believe it was in our previous program where he makes the point that if you have a gathering, a congregation, and just consider everyone in that congregation is living in this kind of way, giving the Lord the preeminence, allowing him to be the one at the right hand in their family, in their marriage, in their finances, in their personal, private life, uh, as well as their, you know, uh, corporate life, their church life. What kind of church would this be?
2: Oh, it would be glorious. (laughs) (laughs) It would be a revived and restored church. Yeah, then you don't have to hang a sign
1: out front that says Revival Saturday Night. You're just going to be in a continual state of being inwardly revived,
2: aren't we? Absolutely. And if we look at our personal life, our personal Christian life, and our corporate Christian life, we can see that whenever... We exalt anything other than Christ. Whenever anything other than Christ has the first place, is at the right hand, so to speak, the place of preeminence, yeah. then then what happens? Degradation, desolation, <laughs> <laughs> discouragement. Yeah. We go down. We get out of the situation of revival where, where our situation is desolate. Well, we're going to continue this thought and uh, add another element to
1: it. Again, very practical, very hopeful, And I think uh, our listeners will enjoy this very much. And let me read uh, just two verses out of Psalm 81, verse 1 and verse 10. Sing for joy to God our strength. Make a joyful noise to the God of Jacob. I am Jehovah your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Here's Witness Lee.
3: Tonight, before we came in, we heard you were singing. And I do believe at that time when you were singing, the angels were dancing. They were rejoicing. Don't you believe? I believe so. Why? Because in Luke 15, the Lord told us when a sinner repents and come back to the Father, all the angels in heaven will sing. This earth rejects Christ. And this earth has put Christ on the cross. But God came in to raise him up and lifted him up to earth, to the heavens, and put him at the right hand of these triumphant God. And there he is exalted. Amen. And the gospel is being preached, Amen. right? Being preached and people heard. And people called on his name, and that was the regeneration, that was the restoration. Then all these people come together, that becomes the church. Don't be a silent church, dumb church. When you shout, when you praise, when you sing to Christ, putting him at the right hand of God, giving him the preeminence, I tell you, you got revived. Then you go back home, you'll be a different person to shout, to sing, to praise. This is God's ordination. You can't kind of statute. To be so silent, so 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 much in order, so cold, so stale, this is your statute. His way to sing, his way to praise, his way to shout. Amen. Open your mouth wide. When you shout, you open your mouth wide. Amen. Then God will feel it. Amen.
1: Well, you know, Bob, to our uh, complicated mind, this may sound awfully simplistic, but I have to testify
2: from my experience, this is genuine. This works, doesn't it? It certainly does. When we come together with the people of God in a proper situation related to God, and then we shout, we open our mouth wide, we're not silent, we're not subdued, but we're praising, singing, declaring that Christ is exalted, that he is at the right hand of God, that he has been set at the highest position in the universe, everything is under his feet, we just exalt this person, then eventually our whole situation changes. We become uh, revived, and we become restored. This is the way to be restored. Yeah, inwardly, we may be trying to sort through all
1: of the complicated things that seem to be holding us down, but oftentimes, just by faith, to stand and to speak his name, even to shout his name, even to shout a kind of praise to him is all we need to punch through that
2: crust that seems to be holding down our inner man. Absolutely, Chris. We've experienced this very much. It doesn't help us to try to figure out how we got in our present situation (laughs) and uh, what needs to be done to get out of it. We just need to exalt Christ by singing to him, shouting praises to him, Open our mouth wide, yeah, and God will fill our mouth. Boy,
1: amen and amen. Good to have you, Bob. Always enjoy our fellowship. Uh, Sweet program today. Uh, Came against, as we said, a a dark background, but there was a restoration here, wasn't there? There really was. Well, we need one every day in our Christian life, I think. I, I need to experience a kind of revival every morning. So here's a practical way how. Uh, We would love to um, have more contact with you, especially to enable you to get these printed Life Study messages in your hands. We have a toll-free number. You can call us. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788 is that number. Also, you can reach us via email, which is just radio at lsm.org, or visit our website, which is www.lsm.org, and uh, there, of course, we have many of our uh, printed resources available. Some you can just read online to get a good sampling. Others you can order directly. Also, we have all of our previous programs, now more than 1,700 of our past Life Study of the Bible radio programs, available for your listening at any time from, again, our website, which is www.lsm.org. And finally, you can write to us as well. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. We hope you'll stay with us as we continue in this life study of the Book of Psalms for Bob Danker and Chris Weil. Thanks very much for listening today. Yeah.
0: Witness Lee's remarkable commentary on the life of Abraham taken from the life study of Genesis is now available from Living Stream Ministry in a single volume entitled Abraham Called by God. Abraham Called by God by Witness Lee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. That's 1-888-543-3788.